Father, we come before you today, Lord, with um, a great need of your presence, Lord, a great need to hear from you through your word and encouragement, Lord, through the book of Acts. We pray that you would, uh, your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just minister to us through this teaching and um, that your will would be done, Lord, that you would give us uh, the direction um, and you would speak to each of us individually, Lord, to our hearts on what you would want us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So yeah, we are going to be in Acts 13, and I made these maps. I sketched them, a bunch of them out. You guys may remember. From, uh, but you drew those out yourself? I did this quickly last night. Yeah, <laughs> you guys want to share that one? Yes, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. But this is cool to hang on to because as you go through, as you go through the book of the next few chapters, <clears throat> this really gives everybody, this really gives me, anyway, a good grip on what it is that we're looking at. We're going to talk um, in Acts 13, we really see <clears throat> the prophecy of Jesus being fulfilled of the Gentiles now hearing the gospel. Um, it's a full-blown um, launch um, with Paul probably sitting around for, I don't know, 14 or 15 years. And now he is going to be set apart and be sent out. So um, if you look, this is where they're at now. It says here, now, uh, now there were at Antioch in the church. That was there, prophets and teachers. And then they list them. This is verse one, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. And Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, so that's who they were. The pro- they were the teachers and the prophets that were there. And if you look at this map right here, this is Ant- this is um, Antioch of Syria. And we're gonna, if you go directly across over into Galatia, you see Antioch in Pisidia. So you want to make sure that you know the, the difference between those two, because the church that's at Antioch here is pretty well established. But this is one of my favorite um, uh, inspiring passages in, in, the books, in the book of Acts. And I think when we look at how we're called, like so many of us, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know as a pastor talking to people, everybody's challenged on, well, what is God calling me to do in my life? <clears throat> what does he have for me? And how do I know? Um, is it just, is it, is, is it going to just be, you know, an inward conviction that I want to do this? Is it also an outward endorsement from the church? You know, how do we get called and sent? And is there a difference between those two things? Being called and sent? Anybody? What do you think the difference is? Being called and sent. Yeah. I think being called, you recognize, you know, God's direction. Being sent, somebody else recognizes in you and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. tells you what they see God is doing in your life. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Maybe put some backing behind it. Put some backing behind it, yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because we're all, <clears throat> we're all called to be witnesses for Christ. Let's just look at it that way, right? 
but not all of us are sent out as evangelists or missionaries or pastors or to plant churches. Um, we're all called, you know, to um, love each other. I mean, there's these big, broad callings that we have. <clears throat> but when there's a specific work that has to be done that God has called you to do, there's often a time, there's often a gap <clears throat> between the calling and the sending. It's, sometimes there's not. I mean, there could be, it could be both at the same time, um, especially when you go on a smaller scale. Um, but I love what it says here. It says, <clears throat> this is what, I, what it really encourages me. It says in verse two, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And so we see the Holy Spirit calling. It doesn't say set them apart and here this is where they're going to go. I believe that this is a big gap between verse two and three. It says, then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So we see a calling. What's, what's, what's always the calling? Who, who's always the one doing the calling? God. Yes. And in this case, specifically who? The Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to call people and to work in the heart of people, to point people to Jesus Christ, right? We know that they're all one, one God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. <clears throat> so yes, it is God that does the calling. But I thought was really neat about this was while they were ministering to the Lord, and so I would like, you know, for me, I remember, um, I've probably told the story before, but when I first became converted, I automatically wanted to be a preacher and evangelist, right? <clears throat> and and uh, my pastor at the time said, you know, relax, you know, you don't, you, it's good. Maybe God has a calling on your life. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's, you're excited. Maybe you're not. But he, he thought that I did. He said, yeah, I think God is calling you, but you have to wait now. So, all right, what do you want? What should I do? Well, start serving. Start doing something. Well, what? Well, find a need. Just find something to do. There's so many ways that we could minister to the Lord. It doesn't all ha- always have to be preaching and teaching and discipling. Those are, those are part of our job as Christians. <clears throat> but if you're called, you know that you're called for a specific thing, but God hasn't sent you yet, start ministering to the Lord. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do. For me, it was cleaning, cleaning the church. That's what I did for a, a pretty a long time, um, probably for about six months at Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge. I was there full-time cleaning um, under the maintenance guy. And then I left there and went to uh, a different church. And the first day I got there, they're like, if anybody feels called to help out, we, you know, we lost our cleaning person. I was like, I'll do it. I did. I, you know, it was a much smaller church too. And so <clears throat> that was how God used that time to minister to me and to prepare my heart to go into the next phase, which was evangelism, prison ministry, and that sort of thing. 
I'm not saying everybody has to do cleaning the church, but, you know, especially if you feel called to teach or if you feel called to uh, serve in the capacity of the church, it's good to, to get your hands into everything. Understand what it's like to teach, you know, a five-year-old <laughs> because that's a great precursor to teaching teenagers or to teach uh, adults. Yeah. I don't think it's uh, working your way up. Yeah, I, I don't think. Feel like that. Yeah. Teaching to grasp the attention of a child, to be able to give big biblical ideas to um, minds that are concrete, big abstract biblical ideas to people yeah. that are concrete thinkers. I've seen excellent pastors try to do it. Yeah. Excellent preachers. And they can't. And they can't. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they're gifted in a different way. Yeah. So I, I think that something like that, it could be maybe maybe being uh, someone who's trying to figure out where the Lord is calling them, maybe beginning as a as a assistant, as a you know, a helper in some yeah, capacity yeah. to see if they're able to versus Right away. Oh, it's just a five-year-old. Right. But I think to yeah, that's a that, yeah. I would even agree. Even explaining the gospel the way you would to a child, you don't eliminate any part of it, but you yeah. go about it. Your words are different in order to, for their concrete minds to get these abstract ideas. Mm. But I would just yeah, I, I I I would agree with that. I think more what I mean is the practicality of being able to stand in front of somebody and teach. Um, another great way uh, to piggyback on what, what Claudia is saying too is when I talk to men who say to me, you know, I, I want to, young men especially, I wanna be, they want to teach or whatever, I say start teaching your family. Start teaching your, you know, have a Bible study at your house with your family. Take them through a book, you know, and especially fathers, they, you know, teach the Bible to your family. Break, break down a text, you know, and, um, <clears throat> and stand in front, not stand, but sit in front of them and get their attention. And, um, and so however it is, wherever you feel called, um, while you're waiting for that opportunity, minister to the Lord. He's, it's his church. It's, it's all his, right? If he was here right now, <clears throat> We would all say, Lord, what do you want? What can I get you? What can I do for you? What do you want me to do, right? We would be at his service, right? So how much more, you know, in the realm of the church and in the realm of our calling? So, yeah, so while they were ministering to the Lord <clears throat> and they were fasting. Do you think they were fasting, like, for this reason or they were just fasting? I, I don't know. I just think that they were ministering to the Lord. I think it was just part of their seeking God because remember <clears throat> the one thing that we lack, I think in, in, in modern day Christianity is the urgency of the teaching and the and the, and the preaching and the reaching out to people because we become, we, it's very easy as humans to become complacent and <clears throat> we see an opportunity and then we'll get the urgency homeless ministry. Yeah, let, let's get them in. And that's good. We need to be doing that stuff. But in this time, there was a, there were, these people were, um, they had a great expectation of what the Lord was doing. This was a, a revolutionary change 
and they were they were knew that they were called. I mean, and they were called in a way that was pretty radical. I mean, look at Saul, you know, and Barnabas. I mean, Barnabas gave up all his his land and his money and his property. These were people that were fully committed to full time ministry. <clears throat> and I think it's good to practice fasting, um, especially when you're really trying to seek the Lord. And so I guess it was just part of what they were doing, you know, uh, as prophets and teachers. Mm-hmm. And remember, that's what they said in Acts 7. We have to set apart ourselves for prayer and for ministry to, uh, unto the word, <clears throat> you know. And if you're called as a teacher, that's, this is what you should be doing, praying ministering to the Lord, getting in his word and waiting for that opportunity to do it, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it was part of what they were doing. And while they were doing that, what did the Holy Spirit say? I don't know. How did he say it? Well, we don't know. <clears throat> but I, I know for a fact, I, I would say for a fact that it was a group effort for them. They were like, is this what the Lord's saying to you? Yes, the Lord's telling me too. It was a confirmation and we've all experienced that in our lives, right? When God confirms something from somebody else. Conflict with John Mark, has that happened already? No, it's about to happen in this chapter. That's in verse 13. I was reading that yesterday. Yeah. And I was wondering uh, if it just struck me, right, that the verse you just said about that, they're, they're praying, fasting, and yeah. praying. And the Holy Spirit starts to set Barnabas and Saul apart. Mm-hmm. But then later on, we read that John is with them. Yeah, yeah. And I was wondering, like, did John go too <clears throat> soon? Yeah. Like, he wasn't yet mm. called, but he was sent out. Yeah. Because later on, there's hints that he, you know, like he splits and he goes Barnabas, right? That, that whole thing yeah. happened. And then uh, Paul commends him later on in one of his right. books, right? So there's some sort of reconciliation or yeah. something that happens. And you can see that he's active in ministry somehow. Yep. Right, at some level. So I was, I was just yeah. wondering if he just went too soon. Yeah. And that's why he went back. Not necessarily that he yeah. wasn't, you know, whatever the human level of it, but like the, the more yeah. spiritual level, it was not quite I, that. Certainly. I yeah. That, I have no idea. That I think that's a great happened. insight because you got to think, well, was John like saying, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to. Yeah, and yeah. Barnabas was sort of, I think, I forget where I read this, but he could have been his uncle or related to him somehow. So Barnabas probably was pushing for him to come. Paul probably was saying, no, I don't really think he's ready, but gave in, and then he bails back and says, I'm going back to Jerusalem. After a really crazy time of ministry. So he said, I don't know, I'm out of here, you know. And then Paul writes to Timothy and says, don't lay hands quickly on anyone, on a new believer or somebody young. And it could have been yeah. a little bit of a thing with John Mark, you know. It wasn't just quite the time for <clears throat> yeah. Not necessarily that he wasn't meant to be in ministry. Right. I just, it just struck me, maybe. Yeah. The other option, too, is <clears throat> it could just be a reference to when they prayed and fasted and laid their hands on them. They sent them away. Um, and it could just mean that them being the, 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 the ones that were specifically called mm-hmm. and maybe there was others with them and he was one of them. <clears throat> but we also see something else here. We see a outward confirmation, not only of the calling, but also of the sending. 
And <clears throat> we have to be really careful uh, not to be, <clears throat> excuse me, I hope this isn't too distracting, you guys, I'm losing my voice. We have to be very careful um, <clears throat> where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. To not become lone rangers, you know. God has called me to do this, and I'm doing it. Yeah, but, you know, you got your brothers and sisters in the Lord and the elders from the church saying, I don't really know if that's the best thing right now. Why don't you wait and pray? No, I'm going. You know, or I'm doing this this way. This is I'm going to do it my way. <clears throat> and that was something I went through as a street preacher. <clears throat> made mistakes with that because there, it, it was a very um, unorthodox way to promote, to preach the gospel. People like, are you turning people away? You know, there, there's never been a real theology on it <clears throat> or at least a study. And that's, we did go stand speak, which was an apologetic on biblical street preaching to try to f- flesh that whole thing out. And what we came down to was authority in order to go out in, in ministry in the name of Christ, the way God has ordained it is that it's from the church sending you. If, and that's the way you got to do it. So what ends up happening, with, even now with the world of street preaching, we have all these street preachers out there <clears throat> who I love and I love what they're doing, but they tend to stay away from getting under a local church. Not so much now as it was 10, 15 years ago. It was really prominent. It was like, I'm not in any church. They're not not evangelizing at our church. I can't find a church to do this. And you're never going to find a church that is agree with everything you agree with. And so, but you do have to come under authority. And so uh, one of the things that I did when when we dissolved our church um, in 2008, 2009, I was looking for a church just to bring the ministry under, not to be a part of it. I didn't want to impose it on the church, but I felt a strong conviction that God wanted me to be coming under a local church, under the authority of elders that that can cover me spiritually, pray for me, and tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. And so that's why it's so important when you do a ministry to go to the church and get the blessing from people in your church, the elders. Don't just go and say, hey, I'm, I mean, it's the, the normative is what I'm telling you. I'm not saying there's not going to be certain times where you may have to leave a church because they're totally against what you believe is what God is calling you to do. You know, and if you feel it's in the scriptures, then you part in peace and you find a place that would be, uh, you know, that you may would fit in. I don't think that's, the first step, that's after well, tons of steps. Right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Yeah. Do you um, think that in going into uh, missionary work, it would be the same? Yes, sort of, absolutely, yeah. And again, the normative would be that. Call, you know how most churches don't send missionary yeah. anymore. It's an organization. Or, yeah. Do you think that that's because the churches aren't doing that work or... I mean, is it, is it something that's just how it evolved? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's evolved that way. Would a better thing to be under a church? Yeah, I think you, even if you're with an organization, going with an organization, that church should send you through that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if that's in fact what you want to do. I don't think you have to do that. 
But, um, you know, if, if one of you, you know, Hubert and Debbie are like, hey, you know, our kitchen is done and now we want to go and uh, we want to go down to Guatemala or wherever and we want to plant churches down there, you know, or, or serve people down there. <clears throat> we could say, all right, let's, let's get behind them and do it. Now, if they had no connection down there at all, I would say maybe hook up with an organization that's down there just to, you know, for that backing and the support and something like that. And, uh, but if not, they said, no, we, we know where we're going and we come around them. I don't see anything wrong with that. But the church should, though. Yeah. It's a better, it's a better Absolutely. Deal and the, the more biblical thing would be the person sort of going not for approval, confirmation. Yes. Right? Like, yes, this sounds, yes. You know, something like that. Yeah, that outward confirmation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just the way that God works. It's an inner call with that outward confirmation of that call. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have that, then you have to check yourself, you know. You know, if, if you're, if you're um, a guy that says, hey, I'm, 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 I want to become, I want to go get sent, but, you know, your marriage isn't doing well. You're not ministering to your family. You're not, I would say, get that right first before you jump. You know, the heart, your heart and zeal is good, but <clears throat> don't leave without the support of your wife. Seriously, or vice versa. I don't think it's wise, you know, in most cases. Now, again, I'm not saying these are absolute principles, but these are what the scripture teaches for the normative, you know. Not saying there won't be an exception sometimes or here and there. There may be, but those could be dealt with through the local church. <clears throat> and so that's what they did. They they prayed, they laid hands on them, they fasted and prayed. Could have been, you know, a short period of time, then they sent them away. <clears throat> you see, see verse three. <clears throat> when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. But then in verse four, it says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. So there's this combination that we see so often in the scriptures of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, God moving us, man taking the steps, always action. There's no dormant Christianity. There's always action that we could be taking when we get, when we get that calling whether it's waiting and ministering or whether it's being sent out. So if you look at your map, um, Antioch and Seleucia are really close. That's probably uh, the Seleucia Piera is a a port and they they get on a boat and they sail to uh, Cyprus, which is that island. You guys got, you guys can see it. Who's from Cyprus? Does anybody remember? Is Timothy from Cyprus? Um, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but in this situation here, does anybody remember? Let me just make sure I'm not barking up the wrong tree. What's that? Greek sounding guy. Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus. Was he from Cyprus? Well, we're going to see that in a second. Uh-huh. <clears throat> four, chapter 4, verse 36. Oh, well. <clears throat> now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, was also called Barnabas. Oh. 
by the apostles. So, <clears throat> son of encouragement. So, yes, yeah, so he's going to his hometown, right? He's, he's going back to his people. So, <laughs> God calls you. He says, Hubert, set apart Hubert for the work that I have him to do. And then he sends you out. Like, where am I going, Lord? You've called me. You've confirmed it. Back to Holland. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. But, you know, oftentimes where God is calling us to go, we're there. Like, we're we're connected with it somehow. It's not always like, well, I got to, you know, I got to go. Like, I remember Mark Cahill is an evangelist. He says, you think you're called to Zimbabwe, but why don't you go down to the subway, you know, instead of, you know, Zimbabwe is great, but so is the subway. Go down there and share your faith. You know, so <clears throat> there's a, every one of us has an affinity with people, with a people group, with a, with a, maybe an industry or maybe a town or whatever it is. <clears throat> I don't think it's that complicated. I think we have to use our, our brain and we have to say, you know, what's going on. So, they set us apart. Well, where do you want to go? Well, let's go. We can go to Cyprus because I'm from there. I got connections. And then we can go up north into uh, Galatia and do all that other stuff. So, again, I'm speculating. But this is, to me, it seems uh, pretty obvious. <clears throat> so when they reached um, Salamis, which is uh, the first port there in Cyprus, they began to proclaim the word of God again where? In the synagogues of the Jews. <clears throat> and they also had John as their helper. So, of course, let's, let's go to the synagogues. Why? Because they're allowed to go into the synagogue and preach. He's a Levite, Barnabas, but Paul was a Pharisee. And that's a ticket to preach at any synagogue. If you were a visiting Pharisee, people would want you to speak, right? <clears throat> so it's like if somebody came in here um, I don't know, John MacArthur visited us one morning. I may say to him, John, why don't you share with us, share something with us, you know, teach Sunday school or come up or not that he's like way, way up there, but he's a preacher. We know he's credentialed. We know he's on the same page. And this is what Paul used as his leverage to, to preach the gospel. He went into the synagogues. <clears throat> and then they went through the whole island as far as Pathos, which is on the other side, if you look at that. And then they run into some trouble. They found a Jewish magician who was a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul, and he wanted to hear what they were saying. But Elymas, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. And here, here's one of those glimpses into Paul's personality that we see. You know, this, <clears throat> this isn't a new believer, like lashing out on somebody or having an argument. Paul's a, he's been a believer for probably about 14, 15 years. He's saw the Lord Jesus. He is um, full of the Holy Spirit. And it says right here, but Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. We see this again happening, another repeated filling, fixed his gaze on him. 
and said, Jesus loves you. <laughs> that's not what he said. He, he said a little bit opposite. You are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? <clears throat> now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. It's almost what happened with Paul, right? Paul was blind for three days. <clears throat> and a mist of darkness immediately fell upon him. And that got everybody's attention. Verse 12, <clears throat> then the proconsul believed when they saw what happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Not amazed at the miracle, necessarily, that Paul just performed, or the curse you know, this is, um, uh, there's something out there called confrontational evangelism. I think this is a good example of that. I don't think it's a normative. Again, I don't think it's, uh, it's um, we've all seen the people preach and say things publicly or hold certain signs that make us go, ugh, right? Like, ooh, why are they doing that, you know? <clears throat> and so I don't know why Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, I guess with a righteous anger. And, he, you know, he really told this guy off. Um, enemy of all righteousness, son of the devil. Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And now he becomes blinded by this. Wow. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would have done that if I could have on the street, especially at the abortion clinics. You know, go to the abortion clinic is a different ministry than going down to the boardwalk because you're dealing with a tremendously dark, spiritually dark place beyond anything that you can imagine. <clears throat> and you have a police officer standing outside with a gun protecting the people inside that are murdering. And so you sort of need to deal with that. You got to deal with it in a way where you're not going to be the offense, but you, I think there is a time to call out sin. I think there is a time to confront people, especially when it comes to, um, I, I would say complete blasphemy. And in this case, um, this guy is a sorcerer. I mean, he's a, <clears throat> he's a son of the devil for sure. He's a magician. He's a false prophet. He's leading people away from Christ and ultimately sending them to their death. So we got to be careful, but at the same time, there is sometimes where we have to give it, give it to people straight when they are completely going against this. <clears throat> Notice he didn't disagree. It's not just a disagreement they had of theology or atheism. It's, you know, it was some. I'm sorry, Claudia. Again. I was just going to say he didn't. He didn't go there immediately. Yeah. I mean, you know, that wasn't like the first thing, the first way he shared the gospel. Right. It was, he clearly, by the time he reached the pro console, he had, he had heard, because he had been preaching, right? The yes, way yep, through. yep. And then, so news of this came, this, this guy wanted to hear yes. more, invites him in, and they share it. Yeah. And it sounds like the, this magician guy was maybe interrupting Right, him, gnawing at him. Yeah. Did, and, you know, because he's clearly trying not to lose yeah. influence with this guy. And I think in that, 
that's where the like you said the righteous anger sort yeah. of wells up because this guy having heard it is still just just opposing it. Yeah. so you, you you know you have he filled with the spirit shut him up <laughs> yep he wasn't well, going to listen yeah yeah, and he's filled with the Spirit. I forget in Isaiah, I think it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And that's exactly what this guy was going to, who, who's, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And he's saying this, that's what he's doing, you know. <clears throat> and darkness fell upon him. And so... Uh, Do you think that that's why they emphasize that he's a magician, a sorcerer? put that detail in there because he was already given over to sort of maybe yeah the enemy in that way and yeah I think they're showing too the opposition that they're facing you know I mean I don't know when's the last time you faced somebody out on the street that was a magician you know and like <clears throat> I mean we look we <clears throat> we could see like witches and tarot cards and psychics and all that stuff um, but this is, you know, apparently this is, a, a, a this guy was, had a lot of, a lot of negative evil, uh, intent and power. He was a magician. He was being used by the devil. <clears throat> so yeah, here's uh, verse 13, Hubert, where John leaves him. <clears throat> and I wanted to wait because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Paul and his companions put out to sea from, from Paphos and came to Persia, which is right up north. You see that orange little thing in Pamphylia. But when they went there, John was like, um, I'm going back. <laughs> I think I've had enough. Again, that could have been it. I mean, he could have said, uh, I mean, we could speculate. What are some of the things? I don't know. For me, I think the experience going through Cyprus with this magician and all this preaching and all this tension and opposition. You see, that's the other thing. When, you, when you're called by God, when you know that God has called you to do something, you need to write it down. Take a picture of your, a video of yourself. God has called me, praise you, Lord. Thank you for this confirmation of what you've called me to do. And I'm only saying that because you will doubt that calling at certain points in your life. And unless you go back to that time, you may end up believing that in your mind that, yeah, maybe I'm not called. Maybe I made a mistake or maybe it was all me. And you'll have people tell you too, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you moved too quick or whatever. <clears throat> but you will encounter Problems, you'll encounter, encounter trials, tribulations, failure, no results. You think of Moses, you know, I mean, he got up there and everything went wrong. Yeah. You know? and, and he would, you know, or are you referring to when he was called by God in his 80s? Yeah. Or, yeah, right? Because even before that, he, when he was 40, when he killed the Egyptian, he probably thought, what a dumb move that was. Now I'm tending sheep, you know, for 40 years. Should have stayed as Pharaoh's right-hand man. Maybe I could have had more influence that way. And so you will doubt it. But if you remember that calling, it will get you through it. 
So you're calling, again, a perfect example is husband and wife. You, you, make the, you, you don't ever doubt whether or not if you're married that, God has, that you've made a mistake because you, you're, you have a covenant before God. And so you have to remember that as a husband, you have no excuse to be that, to lay down your life for your wife like Christ did for the church. And as a wife, you have no excuse then to be the bride, the bride of Christ and submit unto your husband. But again, before that, it's submit unto one another. It's laying down lives for each other, right? As husband and wife. That's how, that's how marriage becomes enriching and the perfect picture of Christ in the church. But, you know, I hear so many times, well, I'm not in love anymore. I fell out of love, you know, and now I'm in love with this new person. That this, is the, this was the real person I should have. That's not the case. And in ministry, it's the same thing. <clears throat> well, God has called me to be a pastor, but now it's not working out the way I thought it was. So, yeah, maybe I need to do something else now because this is my real career is this over here or my real calling is this. No. If God is going to call you out, he's going to do it his way, and he's going to confirm that. But I believe John Mark <clears throat> probably questioned his calling here. I mean, I'm going to speculate and say that. This isn't for me, you know. And he could have been, like Claudia said, you know, maybe he was called, but it wasn't the right time. <clears throat> and so you got to look, look at it all in the big perspective. Anyone want to add anything to that? Any application or any comments? Anything? <clears throat> so, um, say, yeah. And it's God who does the work, right? Yeah. So, I think you say if you strive to gain or whatever, you have to strive to maintain. Yeah. And it's not about our striving. It's right. about God's calling and God's doing. So, yes. Um, like that whole thing where... Where Paul didn't make anyone blind. <laughs> That's right. God did it. That's right. I think God let him know this is what you're supposed to say right now because yes. what I'm going to do. Not that we can imitate that somehow. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, strike our enemies blind somehow. Yeah, right. Um, so I think that's part of it is just God's work. Just like God used persecution to spread the gospel. Like that's not a man-made plan. Yeah, that's right. Amen. And because you face. Um, Trouble of some sort doesn't mean that you heard wrong necessarily. Right. You have to, that that needs to serve. Yes. Yeah. You know what is this trouble and why is it coming my way? Yeah. And to understand that it doesn't necessarily mean you were wrong and you should be changing. Right. You know direction. It also means Satan is now working double time to get you discouraged. Right. Yeah. So right. I, well, Izzy and I would read a lot of uh, the um, different autobiographies of, of big you know, well-known missionaries. Yeah. And from their calling to their arriving, I mean, they would go through so much. Oh, I know. You know, to just even Insane. get there. And I think it was Livingston who I think was delayed on the boat or something or something yeah. happened, but then while he was there. Oh, no, that was uh, whoever went to uh, Asia. Well, anyway, with so the captain, he learned how to read the stars for direction. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
and then that just because it was taking all this time to get to where he needed to go. Mm. Um, Delay upon delay upon delay. But anyway, that little thing helped him later on Mm. in his travels inland where he was for, you know, to figure out where he was going and where he was and how to get to where he needed to go and all of that. So the Lord used the delay and the issue there to teach him some skill that he didn't have that he was going to need later on. Amen. is it now has like it's like everyone every one of us that probably has a story like that like where we're like why 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 and then oh okay <laughs> yeah it was so common though it's yeah. amazing you read these stories it's so so common mm-hmm. that, that that from the moment of the calling to the moment of arrival there was like all these things that and even people telling them within the church you probably shouldn't go yeah you know this means this this means that right. and they say like you were saying they say you know, committed to the calling. Yeah. You, you, despite all that stuff, it's, it's really incredible how it was such a pattern that you you almost are like, oh, expected this. Yeah, yeah. It seems. Yeah, it's like was it William Carey? Is that is that right? Was he the missionary that they were like the he God will convert the heathen. You don't yes. need to go over there. Yeah, yeah. It's like. Then there was one who was um, he ended up going to India and he worked his leper colony. Mm-hmm. But he was going as a doctor, and for when he was going through training, medical training, he either couldn't get in or whatever was delayed for actually receiving his medical training. He did carpentry work, oh. bricklaying work, and things like that. Yeah. He finally got into medical training. He thinks he's going to be um, whatever it is doesn't work out. But anyway, when he finally is in missions and he goes and works with leprechaun, his carpentry work helped him to figure out how to do braces. Wow. For the lepers, for yeah. the amputation, oh, all the stuff, like wow. that, to figure out how to do braces and all these things that he then combined with his medical experience, right. he was able to. Right. And we want God to be like, I'm calling you to go learn carpentry for your mission over there. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not how, it's just not how it works. It's amazing the wisdom of God. All right. Well, let's stop there. And um, next week, well, next week I won't be here, but the week after we'll do. Um, We'll go through Paul's sermon. Um, and so if you want to read ahead, if you haven't already, it's a really good sermon. Um, I think Mr. Kevin is going to be teaching it. I still haven't heard back from him yet, but I'm assuming he's going to do that. But he's just concerned. What's that? Uh, he's, 